Hey, what's up? My name is Steven, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. some instructions and directions for husbands and wives and, and how we're to love each other, how we're to support and encourage each other. And he challenges the wives. First he, first, he challenges both the husband and the wife. And he says, look, submit to one another as you submit to Christ. And we always glance over that and we go right to the details of what he's supposed to do and she's supposed to do. But he starts exactly on the front end. Look, both of you submit to each other just as you're submitting to Christ. Um, and so he gives some, some responsibilities. The wife is supposed to trust um, and submit and, and surrender to the husband as she surrenders to Christ. Uh, but then on the flip side, he gives us men some responsibilities that we are to love our wives just as Christ loves the church. And that is, that is a love that is, that is not selfish. It is selfless. It is not a love that is about what we can get, but it's a love instead about what we can give. And so we're going to pick up in verse 28 with the message. And so after he gives this advice, he says, here's what's happening. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. And so after giving this instruction, he says, by doing this, you're doing yourself a favor because uh, when you come together, you're no longer two, but you're one. So how you're treating your spouse is also how you're treating yourself. And he says, no one abuses his body, does he? No, he feeds and pampers it. That's how Christ treats us, the church, since we are part of his body. And this is why a man leaves his father and mother and cherishes his wife, because no longer are they two, they become one flesh. And I love how Paul says this. This is a huge mystery. And he says, I don't pretend to understand it all. And the guy who wrote the majority of the New Testament, planted churches, and we see as this great theologian and hears from God, he says, look, even I don't understand it all, that it's a mystery to me. And he says, but what is clearest to me? is the way Christ treats the church. That is central to everything as a believer, whether you're married or you're single, is we look at the model and the example of Christ and how he treats the church. And he says, this provides a good picture of how each husband treats his wife, loving himself and loving her, and each wife is to honor and submit her to her husband. And so we, we've talked about what it's like being in the single season. We've talked about like what a covenant marriage is. Last week, we talked about fighting fair. And so how many of you went out and bought some boxing gloves, right? Um, or how many of you were elbowing your spouse on the way home? And, and so here's, here's what I know. And we talked about that, that healthy couples, like um, you, you're going to have conflict and fighting. And if you're married and someone you're like, see, it's okay, it's cool, right? But if, if, if there is no fighting in the relationship, that's when there's trouble. Because then there's, we, we talked about that conflict is the gap between expectations and experience. And so what's happening is you guys are no longer working together to bridge that gap. And we said last week that the price for deeper intimacy is 
conflict. And so we're not working to bring those two sides together and growing in intimacy. And we made this statement that when we're fighting to win as an individual, who loses? Both of you lose. The couple loses. When we're fighting to win ourselves, the couple loses. And so in preparation for all of this, um, I found out, and, and it's true, and we think that the greatest threat and problem is marriage is, is fighting, but it's actually not. The greatest threat to a marriage is not the presence of conflict and fighting, but instead it's the absence of fun, laughter, and intimacy. Oh, I love it when a church does that. It's like, mmm. <laughs> right? And I know that's, that's, that's a lot to write down, but there's so much truth in that statement. And so many times we think, oh, we're fighting all the time, like things are breaking down. But that's actually a sign that, that, that there's still some passion left in the relationship. When you stop laughing together, when you stop talking together, when the intimacy stops, that's when things get in trouble. And, and there's this, there's this um, Berkeley professor, his name's Dasher Keltner, um, and he wrote this book called Science of a Meaningful Life. And I'm just going to read the quote. It says, for couples who divorced on average 13.9 years after they were married. So this is couples who have been married almost 12 years. Those that divorced, it was the absence of laughter that predicated the end of their bond. This is in the early stages of marriage, anger and contempt, which is basically belittling your spouse with sighs and eye rolls and shrugs of the shoulders, right? Don't elbow anybody, right? In the early stages of marriage, anger and contempt are highly toxic. In the latter phases, once a relationship becomes more intimate, it's the lack of laughter that leads individuals to part ways. And you thought, well, what about like he cheated, she cheated. Before you got to that point, somewhere along the way, you stopped laughing together. Somewhere along the way, you stopped having fun together. You stopped having conversations. And what happened in the, like in, in the end is when your relationship is void of laughter and joy and fun and intimacy, um, it becomes a business relationship, a business partnership. Um, you become roommates, and some of you honestly may have been through that season and you're coming out or maybe you're in the middle of that season or maybe something that you hear today will throw up some red flags. I know that was a Twitter deal like a while back is like red flags, red flags. Maybe a red flags that if you're not careful, you may be entering into this business partnership. And look, I get it. Like life, life gets busy um, because I, I was not prepared for the business side of a family because there is a business side. When, you know, it's just the two of you, Will Smith playing in my head, just, uh, you're not just, like, you're building castles in the sky early on, but then once you have kids and you've been married 15, 20 years, there's a business side of it because you've, you've got kids, you've got budgets, you've got checking accounts, you've got schedules, you've got chores, you've got all these other things that if we're not careful, um, we stop having fun and we just make sure everything's covered. We make sure the clothes are washed. They don't have to be folded. That's, an, that's not a necessity anymore. <laughs> right? We have a, a dirty clothes basket and a clean clothes basket. You just spend for yourself. But we start making sure like dinner's cooked, bills are paid, you know, how was your day? And everything just gets real redundant and routine and um, almost like an assembly line of life. 
right? And in and, and, and complete honesty, like this is where Jennifer and I have struggled over the last two to three years in planting this church because there's been a ton of business um, planting a church in the middle of a pandemic. She's a school teacher. I have three kids, um, and now our church is growing. And like, honestly, we were like, anybody ever felt like your marriage was just kind of running on fumes? It's like, you know what? We've been good for 20 years. We've got enough left in the tank. Well, if you're not careful, that tank can be depleted really, really quickly. And so that's why we have to make time um, for fun, have to make time uh, for dating, for laughter, for even intimacy. And I read this, this quote this week, and because sometimes like the days never end, and then other days it feels like there's not enough hours in the day. It's like this conundrum, like you really realize when you're an adult, you're like, oh my gosh, this day is never going to end. But then at some point it switches, you're like, I need 34 hours instead of 24 hours. But God's given us 24, and within that 24, really, some of the most important time that you're going to spend, and I don't really mean spend because it's an investment, is going to be the time that you invest with your spouse. And, and you have to make that decision before you have to make that decision. Walking with this with my two oldest daughters is, is, is you pre-decide before you have to decide because then the decision's already made. Um, to keep fun, to keep laughter in your relationship. Because let's be honest, nobody, none of us fall in love having a bad time. Oh my gosh, I can't wait till this weekend. He's incredible, the most boring person I've ever met. <laughs> I can't wait. We do nothing at all except talk about video games. Absolutely nothing. We don't do anything. But I just love, like, that's not how it works. Like, there is an excitement there. You're not saying, oh, I just love her. She's just the greatest nag. Like, I know she's just going to talk about my outfit. You know, my, my, my breath is going to, like, I can't wait to be with her. Right? That's not how dating relationships start out. Right, But what happens is we get caught up in the business, and years down the road, that's, we're honest, sometimes our relationships are like that. Don't look at anybody, just look at me. This is, <laughs> I, I'm your safe person, wink, if you, you know, and we'll call, right? But here's, here's what I hope today, is that, that I know when all, all of us that are married and um, even engaged today, we started in pursuit of each other. And guys especially, like, like we are, you know, go all the way back to the cavemen. We're hunters and gatherers. We're going to go get it, and we're going to stuff it and put it on the wall, right? And we're going to, you know, so we get married, and we got her, and then we're content, and then we're going to go out and pursue something else. And so if we're not careful, we stop pursuing our wife. What did I say? I see. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, I actually said that in my mind, but I was like, I'm, I'm going to graze on past that. I'm telling you guys, some of the things that go through my mind, you should be glad I don't say. But that's, that's how we get. Like, like, we accomplish one goal, and we're ready to go to the next, the next goal, the next level. And so we stop pursuing each other. We stop pursuing whether, you know, we're the husband, we stop pursuing our wife. If we're the you know, wife, we stop pursuing our husband because... We're running a business. And so Solomon, one of the wisest men, and actually probably the wisest man that ever lived, um, we're going to read several passages of, of Scripture that he's written today. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9, uh, verse 9, he says this, and underline this in your Bible, highlight it in your Bible app, um, and refer back to it often. It says, live how? Happily. Live how? Happily. Happily. Man, you guys, I'm 
I believe you. Um, <laughs> live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of life that God has given you under the sun. <laughs> that, that should make you feel good, right? But there are some days, like you're just like, again, will this day ever end? Oh, I've got so much to do, there's not enough hours. And it says, the wife God gives you is your reward for all your earthly toil. And so when was the last time, guys, you looked at your wife and said, you are such a great reward? Probably not as often as says, you are a pain in my neck, right? <laughs> not me. I don't say that. I only say, you are, you are a great reward, Jennifer. Flip it. Wives, how many times have you looked at your husband and was like, look, I'm so thankful for you. And look, I know we're all in different places in relationship, whether, you know, single, newly single, newly married, engaged, been married forever. But we can all, once God brings us into that season, we need to see that person as a gift because there are some days that do feel really meaningless. You know, it's almost like Groundhog Day with Bill Murray. It's just like up, over, like turn off the alarm, you know, run through the day, go home, go to sleep, take a nap basically so you can start the day all over again. But the one who God has brought to us is the one that helps bring meaning to our life because they become your number two. God and your relationship with him is always your number one. But like I, we've said, your spouse is the next most important person in your life. And so we're going to look at these levels of intimacy and, and fun. And, and some of these like sermon notes, uh, sermon points may be a little cheesy. There may be some dad jokes in there. Um, is that okay, Chris? Do I have your permission? No, okay. We can talk after service. But, but here's what I want. So if I'm going to talk about having fun, I want it to be fun in, in some sense, and I want it to be memorable. And so there are really like three levels of intimacy, three levels of fun that, that we walk through in our relationship with our spouse or fiance, and, and they all kind of rhyme, and, and the first one is talky-talky, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, talky-talky, <laughs> right? Um, and, and, and that is just a funny way of saying this, that there needs to be some meaningful conversation, in the relationship, some meaningful conversation. And we're going to look at a few passages of scripture from Song of Songs that was also written by Solomon. And it is a, a powerful book in the Old Testament that displays the, the potency and the importance of, of romance and fun between a husband and a wife. And yes, I get it's an illustration of how Christ deeply loves the church, but you read it, it's also a little romance novel, okay? Just a few pages. You'll blush when you read it, right? But, but we see some of these things play out in that before they get all the way into their relationship, there's conversations that take place. They have a little talky-talky. And so <laughs> in chapter one, verse six, uh, it's not gonna be on your screen, so just just listen, because it's a lot, and put it in your notes to go back and read it. And, and, and this is the, the, the young woman. So there's three characters, essentially. There's a young woman, there's a young man, and then there's a group of young ladies. And, and it's a dialogue, a conversation between these three characters. And so the young woman says first to her young man, says, listen, don't stare at me because I'm dark. The sun has darkened my skin. My brothers, they were angry with me, and they forced me to care for their vineyards so I couldn't take care of myself. And so she's talking about her insecurities a little bit. And she says, tell me, my love, where are you leading your flock today? Where will you rest your sheep at noon? For why should I wander like a prostitute among your friends and their flocks? And basically, she's saying, look, where are you going to be today? Where are you working today? What are you doing? Like, I don't want to have to go look for you. I want to know where I can find you. 
And, she's, and then the young man replies, if you don't know, oh, most beautiful woman, follow the trail of my flock and graze your young goats by the shepherd's tents. You are as exciting, my darling, as among the Pharaoh's stallions. How lovely are your cheeks, your earrings set them on fire. How lovely is your neck enhanced by a string of jewels. We will make you earrings. And then in verse 15, he says, how beautiful are you, my darling? How beautiful. Your eyes are like doves. And the young woman replies, oh, you so handsome, my love, <laughs> pleasing beyond words. See, there's, there's conversation that's taking place. How much conversation is taking place in your relationship right now? How much meaningful conversation? Because I remember like dating Jennifer in high school. We took a break in college and then started back dating before we got married towards the end of our college. And I remember like we could talk all night on the phone. And this was like years before cell phones. There were a few bag phones out there. Some of you guys might not even know what those are. Like it's a, it's a phone that was so big you had to carry it in a bag. And so we had two lines at our house. And so in order to talk to her after hours, um, I would call this number that was the local time and temperature. And so I would call it so that the phone wouldn't ring, so that my parents wouldn't know I was on the phone. And so I would wait till she beeped in and then I would beep over. Sometimes I would have to call it a time or two until we got the timing just right. And we would talk for hours. And then I remember my roommate in college got like one of the first cell phones. And when cell phones were first coming out, it was expensive, right? And so if you had a significant other, you had to wait until when? Nights and weekends, baby. <laughs> Free nights and weekends. Like, like you young guys, you have no unlimited data, unlimited minutes. You are spoiled. Like we paid like $300 for 120 minutes to use all month. I don't know if it was that high, but it was outrageous. And so you waited until like, all right, seven o'clock. Sun goes down, I'm calling my boo or whatever. Like, like I'm calling and we're gonna talk all night. And, and you remember, right? Having, like you just talk about nothing, but it was still meaningful, right? And you talk to the, like all hours of the night. And now like, man, that was like two or three years ago I was on the phone with Jennifer and I remember like Millie, it was before we moved here, so maybe four years ago, like I was sitting on the couch and, and I remember the Oscars were on. It was the Oscars or the, the Academies. And I remember I was, I was holding Amelia and I was resting my head on my phone like this, talking to her. And this was like 7.30, 8 o'clock at night. And I remember feeling really tired. <laughs> and I remember she was talking about something very important, I'm sure. And then all of a sudden she stopped talking. And I had fallen asleep. Literally, I wake up, <laughs> like, like I'd probably been asleep no more than a couple of minutes, but it was enough for her to say, hey, hello, are you there? Are you there? And I woke up and I was, I was, have you ever woke up not really knowing where you were at and kind of confused what was going on? So I was confused and terrified all at the same time. I was like, was I talking to Jennifer? Did we say goodbye? Is she on her way home? And so immediately I'm like calling um, and like, Play it cool. He goes straight to voicemail. <laughs> it rang like twice. It goes, so I know it's like, so I called. And then it just rang and rang and rang. And, and so she came in and I was like at the door to greet. I was like, hey, babe, how was your day? Like, how was it? And she was like, it was good. 
I was like, really? And she was like, you have no idea, do you? And I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, we, we finished it. She was like, no, you were snoring. Because <laughs> literally, I can go to sleep, y'all. My head is on the pillow. I, I'm out in 30 seconds. And I was like, yes, dear, I'm sorry. Come, come here and sit down and let me massage your feet. <laughs> right? But what happens is like the, the longer we're together, that, that, that conversation becomes a little bit less important. And, and we assume that the other person knows what we're thinking, what we're feeling, what we want. Or this is where the trap that I fall into, I feel like she's too busy. She's got so much going on being a mom and a teacher and a pastor's wife that I don't want to bother her for it, bother her with it. And then I become bitter because I think she doesn't want to listen, right? Anybody else? Just me, right? And so we stop having this meaningful conversation. So let me give you a couple of tools um, to, to, to help us have more talky-talky, all right? First, think of five for five. At the end of your day, if you can get within five feet of your spouse and just talk for five minutes, because like the minute, like when I come in the door, my girls are coming down the steps, daddy's home, daddy's home. When mom comes home, like, hey, mom, you know? And so, but my kids are just like all right there. The minute we try to have a conversation, our kids are there. Lock them in the room, whatever you gotta do, get within five feet of each other or maybe closer and spend five minutes just in conversation. And then, and then when I was doing some, some uh, counseling with a couple years back, I found this that's been helpful for us at times. And it's, it's an exercise called Thanos, not to be confused with Thanos, the deviant <laughs> like warlord from Marvel, but Thanos with an F, F-A-N-O-S. And so it's an acronym to give you a template on how to have kind of meaningful conversation. And, and the F stands for feelings. It's just real quick, tell your spouse, how are you feeling? Multiple areas of work. Are you stressed? Are you worried? How do you feel about your relationship? How do you feel about work? What are you feeling in that moment? The A is affirmation. Appreciate, affirm something about your spouse. Let them know what you appreciate about them. And for some of you, that, that may be a big step. You need to like maybe take a couple of days to think about this before you start was asked just kind of Johnny on the spot by a couple in Jackson a few months before we left, and we had, had to do some, like, uh, not really, we had to just do a whole bunch of paperwork. And so this couple asked us, was like, so what do, you, what do you guys appreciate about each other? And Jennifer's just, like, swooning. She was telling me all these great things, and, and I was just like, man, she's really good with details. I wasn't laughing. <laughs> you laugh, but there was no laughing at the table, and I was just like, ah, no, see, what, what had happened was, and what I meant to say was, is I love how you make sure the girls have everything they need for school. When, you know, there's a birthday party, you make sure it's really special. So make sure, guys, when you say it, you say what you mean and mean what you say. Put some details in there. Just don't say, oh, you're really good with details. Not a good answer, all right? So make sure you affirm your spouse. Um, and then this is hard for us sometimes. The end stands for need. What do you need from your spouse? Maybe is there an area that you're needing them to communicate better on? Maybe there's a perspective shift that needs to change. There's an expectation shift that needs to change. You know, share with them what you need. Um, and then what we have to do next is take, the O is take ownership of something. Where have you failed? Um, where do you need to apologize? Where do you need to make um, amends at? Something that you need to take ownership of. Because here's the truth. We can't fix anything we don't take ownership of, right? 
Um, and then the S is this, is where are you struggling right now? Whether it's physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. So F, feelings, A, affirmation, N, need, O, take ownership, and then S, where are you struggling? Now, here's, here's the challenge in that. Don't take 45 minutes because then your spouse or your other is they're going to be so exhausted, they're not going to want to share. They're going to be, because days are busy. Start with just a couple of minutes. Listen to what they're saying without responding, okay? And then you share and listen to what they're saying without responding. Respond the next day. And here's why. Because that is showing that you're listening. That's showing that you're processing. That's creating a safe space for them to be able to, to share without automatically because I, like, I've got to where I asked Jennifer, are you just giving this to me for information or are you wanting me to do something about it? Because so many times as guys, we want to go do something about it. Like, no, I just want you to listen, right? And so where is the talky-talky in your life, all right? So from talky-talky, let's go for a little walkie-walkie, okay? <laughs> all right? So let's move beyond conversation to recreation and adventure. There's a couple of statements in this Song of Songs where, where she says, come away with me. And there's a couple times where he says, come away with me. Sometimes you need to look at your spouse and say, hey, come away with me. Even if that's in the backyard, on the patio, the front porch, maybe in the bedroom. We'll talk about that in a minute, right? But on a date, just say, hey, come away with me. Recreation and adventure. And I've, I've read this article and it says that, that um, couples who aren't very adventurous and maybe this is you, like, you know what? I'm kind of cool with staying at home. Um, they've actually found that couples who prefer to stay at home have better relationships if they have shared sitcoms and TV shows that they watch. Because here's the weird thing about it is, is they begin to create virtual relationships with those people. And it's weird, but maybe find a show together that you guys can watch and you can gossip about over coffee. But is it really gossiping? Because they're not real people. But even better than cuddling on the couch is adventures and recreation, um, getting outside, doing things. Jennifer and I love to play card games and board games. When we were dating, um, her mom ran a really tight ship, and so basically our dates were at her house most of the time. Um, and when we went to the movies, she knew what time the movie ended, and she knew how long it, get, it took to get to her house. And this was before the days of GPS tracking and Life360 and all those things. So we played a ton of Monopoly. Y'all, any Monopoly fans? Yeah, it could be the longest game or the shortest game. We got so good at playing Monopoly that we knew, like, how many squares to jump without counting. Like, we had it memorized. We could roll the dice and just... All right, your turn. Like, that's how quick we got. Um, what, what do you enjoy doing? Both of you take turns um, entering each other's world. Because obviously there are things that, as husbands, we enjoy doing, and there are things as wives that you enjoy doing that, that I don't enjoy. Um, for my wife, she loves shopping. She doesn't spend a lot of money, which I'm completely cool with, but she likes to just go and look for hours. And, if I, and I've told her this. I would rather have a root canal. <laughs> like, like I, I really, really would because 
Like you don't know how long, like a root canal can last two or three hours, but it feels like 15 minutes because they give you drugs that <laughs> makes it not last so long. And you're like, well, that was quick. You know, you hurt for a couple of days, but like we will walk around like, so this past weekend and like, like true story it's been almost a year since we had been on a scheduled date, it's not setting a good example for your church, but we got caught up in the business of life. And so last weekend, Saturday, we went out, then Sunday. So I entered her world. She wanted to go to Green Hills, and that is a whole nother world. <laughs> My first time, I've lived a sheltered life. I didn't know stores had security guards and metal detectors going in them. I was like, what? And so I was walking around with my $7 sunglasses, just content, right? And so we walked around there for a while, and then it was like, all right, it's, it's time, to, time to go eat. What do you want to eat? And so she was like, you pick. And I was like, really? I love Thai food. She hates Thai food. And so we found, and I know in the past you guys have heard me say coffee fusion is really good Thai food. Um, Deg Thai, Thai food in Nashville is incredible. And so we went there. And then yesterday I went with all four of my ladies to a bakery in Nashville. Um, and I was the only dude in there for like 35 minutes. <laughs> and it was pink walls, pink plates, little teacups, like, like Queen Elizabeth here. And I was just like, can I have another crumpet, please? <laughs> you know? But what I'm, is I'm entering not just my wife's world at that point, but my daughter's world. And so, you know, make sure you have these shared experiences together and find joy in those moments. And I read this, this one guy said, you know, I really love holding hands with my wife when we're shopping uh, because I like, I like having her beside me. And I know that if she lets go, she's going to spend money. <laughs> right? But, and I know like, life gets harder and date nights get harder to plan. And it doesn't have to be planned out. But make sure that not only are you having time for talkie-talkie, but you're going on a little walkie-walkie every so once in a while. And then as things progress, maybe there'll be a little winky-winky. Right? Okay. Uh, <laughs> right? A little, come on, a little, a little winky-winky. Now, I, I almost said hanky-panky, but then I looked that up. And that's not necessarily a good thing, right? That's like, they don't want there to be any hanky-panky. But in a marriage, you want there to be a little winky-winky, right? Um, <laughs> Solomon says this. I'm just jumping in. And I was really nervous because I thought my 16-year-old was going to be in here today. But she's actually serving in kids. There is a divine providence from God, right? Um, so Song of Songs, again, just reading how they speak to each other and and the young man here is just so poetic. He says, how beautiful are your sandaled feet, O queenly maiden. Your rounded thighs are like jewels, the work of a skilled craftsman. Your navel is perfectly formed like a goblet filled with mixed wine. Your, your thighs are like mounds of wheat. Am I, am I turning pink yet? Um, bordered with lilies. Your breasts are like two fawns, twin fawns of a gazelle. Your neck is as beautiful as an ivory tower. He's going in, right? <laughs> He says, your eyes are sparkling, pools of heshbon by the gate. He says, your nose, look, I got a crooked nose, but he says, your nose is as fine as the tower of Lebanon overlooking Damascus. Your head is majestic as the Mount Carmel, and the sheen of your hair is as radiant royalty. The king is held captive by its tresses. Oh, how beautiful you are, how pleasing, my love, how full of delights. And then he talks about climbing a tree and 
stuff. And it says, may, may your kisses be as exciting as the best of wine. And we laugh at that and we joke. But let's be honest, like in a marriage, we want that kind of romance. And sometimes it starts out that way. But again, a life happens. And, and here's what I want us to know. We're all adults, and we've got a few teenagers in here, and they're not making eye contact at anybody right now. <laughs> right? And, and like, like, I don't know which is worse. I don't know which is worse. I remember the first time I talked about this as a youth pastor, I was just like, ah, uh, like everyone was just staring at the floor. It was like, just please let this be over. And I'll just share just, just a quick story. Like, like I'm, I'm teaching, and I'm going in talking about like sex. Is, it's, it's an incredible thing. God created it, right? God told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. He didn't say just have one kid. He said have multiple kids, right? And so as I'm talking, like, then all of a sudden Jennifer comes from out of nowhere and then just begins to share our honeymoon night with a room of teenagers. You're gasping. I had a heart attack right there. <laughs> I had a heart attack. I was like, I'm fired. <laughs> After service, I'm just going to go down and just clean out my office, Pastor. Thanks. It's been a great opportunity. You know, can I, can I use it as a reference? No, okay, okay. You know, and then, and then after service, our youth room was upstairs, kind of like, it's kind of funny, like my youth ministry was upstairs and now our church is upstairs. And after service, you see all the teenage boys running downstairs and they're whispering in the corner to their parents. And I'm just like, oh my God, I'm dead, <laughs> so dead. But there is something special, listen to me guys, that, that happens when a man and a woman comes together in the right context. And we read this at the beginning of the series that Paul says it's better to be married than to burn with passion. He says, but I wish we would all, I wish you would stay single just like me. And so what he's saying is, is like this, this sexual um, passion that we have is powerful. And if you think about a fire in the right place, it brings warmth and comfort. And I said this the first week. But if you think about passion and fire in the wrong place, we're burning down acres and acres of forest, right? Homes are destroyed. Lives are destroyed. And so God has created this for us to enjoy and for us to populate the earth. And so, uh, and, and Paul says this like as well. He, he says this, that um, we'll look in verse, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. Um, he says, the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. Don't elbow anybody, okay? Um, the wife should fulfill her husband's needs as well. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband at the same time gives authority over his body to his wife. Again, going back to what Paul said originally, that you submit to one another, right? Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourself more completely to prayer. Not because I'm tired. Not because I'm busy. You can say I'm going to pray and then fall asleep. Doesn't work, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm busy. I got to pray, right? No, uh, it doesn't work that way. It says... I lost somebody. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's like afterward, afterward, he says, look, afterwards, you should come together again so that Satan, listen to this, Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of control. Okay? And I've, I've seen this. I've experienced how the enemy can tempt when, again, going back to last week, when experience doesn't meet expectation. Okay, 
when experience doesn't meet expectation, there's conflict and there needs to be a conversation. Because Paul says, says this, he says, um, sex is more than flesh on flesh. He says it's more than skin on skin. And the message puts it this way. It's as much a spiritual mystery as a physical fact. It is the actual act of two becoming one, not just physically, but also spiritually. And we talked two weeks ago about like a marriage being a coveted, covenant relationship, right? And that you coming together as a husband and wife is the seal of that covenant. And so what happens if, if, if you, know, you come together outside of marriage? That is an invalid covenant. That is a covenant that is not going, to be quite honest, may not last unless there is some healing that takes place, unless there's some spiritual transformation that takes place, and, and allow the Holy Spirit to redeem some things that are going on. And so, and, and here's the truth, right? Here's the truth that we need to talk about, is you can have talky-talky with anyone else, and you can go on a walkie-walkie with anybody else, but as a married couple, you can't have a winky-winky with anyone else. And so when, when you are in a season, if you're not talking about it and you're feeling deprived or maybe you're depriving your spouse because of anger, because of hurt, because of bitterness, what Paul says is that you are making a place for the enemy to come in and bring temptation either in your life or in your spouse's life, your, 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 your spouse's life. And so sometimes we use these, like, I've been there, I'm too tired. Like, you just don't understand how exhausted I am. There's just not enough time. The kids are everywhere. Um, it's like they're always, Mom, Dad, you know. Um, let me ask you these questions. Do you have enough energy to do other things? Like, do you have enough energy to cook dinner? Do you have enough energy to wash clothes? Do you have enough energy to mow the yard? Do you have enough energy to work on the budget? Do you have enough time to do all of those things? If this is an important aspect, an element of our life to keep it from becoming a business relationship, then we need to make time for it. And so you need, look, I know it's an awkward conversation. Like in all, like the first couple of years of our marriage, expectation was not meeting experience, but you have to come together and have that conversation because this is the person that you're giving your complete self to. And so create that safe space to talk about it. And so maybe, guys, what you need to do is you just need to change your approach. You can't just go straight to the winky-winky. You got to have a little talk time. You got to go on a few dates, maybe a weekend away without anything, and just invest emotionally before you try to reap the <laughs> like, physical benefits, right? And for the ladies, just make an approach, just any approach, like, <laughs> like, like, it's that simple. I mean, that's really all you got to do. I mean, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> hashtag truth. Kidding, not kidding. <laughs> right? <laughs> but because as life happens, it does become more difficult. But you have to keep your marriage as the top priority. You have to keep that as a, a forefront. And, you know, I'm read a, a joke is like, you know, you put a penny in a jar your first two years every time you're together with your spouse for the rest of your marriage, you'll never take all those pennies out, right? And for some people, that may be true. Here's, the, the longer you're together, don't so much pursue um, quantity 
but pursue quality. Like quality is so much better than quantity, right? And I've heard pastors joke, you just got to schedule it. I'm not scheduling it. I'll do that for a root canal, right? <laughs> but create a moment for you and your spouse. Create a memory. Um, and I got to thinking about this and praying. And so we, we look at these levels of talking, of dating, and intimacy, and many of us have maybe seen marriages end. Maybe you've experienced a marriage that has ended. Um, the, the truth is, is uh, marriages rarely end abruptly, right? The truth is they rarely end abruptly. They wither through stages over time. They wither through stages over time. And in and, and all reality, it, it often starts with a lack of fun in the bedroom or wherever, and then that slowly withers, and then it affects the next phase, and you stop dating as much, and then that affects the next phase, and you start talking as much. You stop having conversation, and before you know it, you're just roommates in your house, and you're just going through the motions, and you're just in it for the kids, and then when the kids grow up and they move out, one day, you still want to be just as happily married to the person that you married 50, 30 years ago right now. And so I don't know, like, just some things that we've said um, over the last few weeks. Marriage is a covenant relationship, not a contractual agreement. Um, and what is a covenant? Covenant is a permanent sacrificial relationship. It's what God mean, means it to be. And I look, I know things happen, life happens. You're not meant to be in abusive relationships. If, if, if your spouse has been unfaithful, God releases you from that. But if it's within your power, because we say this, covenant marriage is where you give up your rights and you take responsibility for the success of your marriage. And so when, when, when we look at, at these three levels, and look, don't, don't think it's beyond you. I don't think it's beyond me. And my wife and I, we both come from families that, that have divorced. And so we have to work extra hard to set a new trajectory for, for our future generations. And guys, look, within the last four months, five months, there are six pastors that I've sat in the room with, four of those six that I've sat in the room with at conferences or sat across from the table over a meal that they're no longer with their spouse. And so this is like, if, if the enemy can attack a family can attack a couple, a husband and wife, and drive a wedge there. It just doesn't affect them. It can affect generations. You know, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who decided not to stay married to his wife after like 23 years, something like that. I was just, I was blown away. I was like, man, what are you doing? What about, what about the kids? And he's like, man, he said, kids are resilient. He says, I look at you, and I look at Jennifer, and you guys turned out fine. And I was like, I I cuss. I can't say it here, but I was like, what are you talking about, man? No, we're not fine because then we have kids and we have to, and look, guys, please hear my heart. I'm not putting any condemnation on anybody because I know we walk through different seasons of different things, but if it's within your power and it's within your responsibility that we should do everything within our power to keep that relationship to build that relationship. And so, because it affects, and so Mark 10, verse seven, Jesus is in a conversation about divorce. And he says, this, is, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. 
since they are no longer one, or no longer two, but one. In verse 9, it says, let no one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. And so many times we hear that in weddings and we think like, like some saboteur from outside of our marriage is going to come in, like, like Putin's going to invade. You know, I don't mean that as a joke, but we think somebody's going to invade our marriage. But it's not somebody from the outside that Jesus is speaking to. He's speaking to the husband and wife. Let neither one of you divide what God has put together. Let neither one of you. And so Ecclesiastes 9.9, going back to this, and then I want us to pray. It says, to live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of your life that God has given you under the sun. The wife or the husband that God gives you is your reward for all your earthly toil. And so let me just speak for just a moment, and maybe some of you are in here and your marriage is on the rocks. Which level of intimacy do you need to build up? You need to go back and have more meaningful conversation. Do you need to start dating more? Do you need you know, to spend conversation on, on how do we bring life back to the intimacy within our relationship? How do we make that happen? So I want to pray for you, but then I also want to pray for some of you who may have been here these last four weeks and you felt the weight and the burden or maybe guilt or shame. That is not our heart at all for you. Our heart is to help you walk out the season that you're in, but then also to help you prepare for the next season God brings you in. And so hopefully something you've heard over the last four weeks um, will stay in your spirit. And then when God brings you back into a relationship with someone, the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance something that was said because that's, that's his job. And so I want to pray for our marriages. So if you're by your spouse, would you just grab their hand just for a moment? And, and I want to pray for you guys. So Father, <laughs> Chad's on the keys and just in spirit. <laughs> Father, we just come to you this morning, God, and I thank you um, just for the power of your word. Um, God, this is a hard topic and God, it felt like just as soon as I started studying and, and learning that you were convicting me of things which needed to be done and um, brought opportunities and challenges even to Jennifer and I's relationship to walk things out and because we're, we're not above any of this, any one of us, whether we've been married the majority of our adult life or whether we're newly married. or God, I would just want to pray a blessing over the couples in this room and even those that aren't here. God, that they would begin to put in some of the practices that we've talked about during this, during this series of fighting fair, not fighting to win, God, but to fight for the relationship, to fight for our future, what you've called us to. God, that we, we listen with ears and hearts of compassion and we speak with truth, but also with love. And God, if there's relationships that the laughter has long since um, faded, or maybe it's on the brink of fading and it's coming fewer and far between, God, I pray that we make it a priority to have more fun in our relationship. Because you are the God who brings joy. You are the God who brings laughter. 
God, that we would, over the next few days, maybe even weeks, begin to have some serious conversation and open conversation about how we could make our marriage stronger, a better picture of how your son, Jesus, loves the church. So, Father, even where my words fail in prayer, that your spirit would just speak right now into hearts and minds. God, even those that finding themselves single again, whether it's through divorce or the loss of a loved one or through separation or abandonment or God, that you would remind them that you are a redeeming God. And that every good and perfect gift comes from you. That your promises say that you have, we may feel like we've, we, we've been abandoned for a season, but you have a hope and a future for us. And that we lean in to you and learn how to live a life that pleases you so that we are fully whole when you bring us the one that you have for us. God, I pray for unity in marriages, unity in, in values and vision and in speech. God, I pray for compassion and serving and loving and sacrificing and building what you've called them to build and be and become. God, I pray that they would just lean into you in all things. And that as they grow closer to you, that you bring them closer together. And that what you've brought together, let no man break apart. God, lastly, just without leaving, I never want to miss an opportunity. If there's anyone in here today, God, that needs to know you, that needs a relationship with you, that God, whether they've never had a relationship with you or maybe they have fallen out of relationship with you, God, let them know that today is the day of salvation, that a simple yes to you, you set them on a new trajectory. And simply all they do is say, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm sorry for what I've done. I trust you to forgive me. I trust my life to you. And I will do my best to follow you. And it's in those words, God, you promise it by the confession of their mouth and the belief in their heart that they are saved. So, Father, we thank you for this day in your word. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's give God a hand clap this morning.